The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. If you'd like to make your NFL games a little more interesting, you've come to the right place. It's the Even Money Podcast with Ross Tucker and Steve Fezzik. Yeah, Vegas, baby, Vegas. It is the Even Money Podcast presented by betonline.ag. Your online sportsbook experts use the promo code PODCAST1 to get a 50% sign-up bonus today, 5-0. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. He is Steve Fezzik, the only two-time winner of the Super Bowl professional football gambling. This is indisputable. It is the Super Contest at the Westgate Casino out there. That's what he does. He wins Super Contest twice at Fezzik Sports on Twitter. I am former NFL offensive lineman Ross Tucker, five teams, seven years, five podcasts, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, the Fantasy Feast Podcast, College Draft Podcast, Andrew Brandt's Business of Sports Podcast, and of course, the Even Money Podcast. And we are going to dive in to a little XFL betting and XFL thoughts today with my guy, Evan Silva, formerly of the Fantasy Feast. Now he's with EstablishTheRun.com. Love Evan Silva, and he loves the XFL and is all over it. So very much looking forward to talking with him momentarily about the XFL, as well as anything that needs to affect some of these season win totals with the combine rumors and quarterback news. So we'll get an XFL combine rumors news shortly. I will mention, though, before we get into that, as much as I love Steve Fezzik and Evan Silva, I love Saks Underwear more. Saks Underwear, I talk about it all the time on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, but not as much here on the Even Money Podcast. SaxUnderwear.com slash Ross. They got a ballpark pouch that keeps your boys exactly where your boys need to be. It's been a game changer for me. SaxUnderwear.com slash Ross. S-A-X-X Underwear.com slash Ross. You get 10% off and free shipping. All right, so guys, before we even get into... 
your XFL bets or what you think about betting on the XFL, I guess I just kind of wanted your opinion on the product itself Mm-hmm. as well as some of the rule changes, et cetera. Have you been watching a lot of it? Do you really like it? Steve, uh, since it's your show, Even Money, I'll start with you. We haven't really talked much XFL yet because we were doing our first glance at the season win totals for the NFL the last couple of weeks. What do you think of the product? What do you think, like when you watch an XFL game, what do you think overall? The product is somewhat subpar. The league is compromised by bad quarterback play. Uh, the exceptions being Houston's Walker's phenomenal. Josh Johnson's pretty good. The St. Louis quarterback's pretty darn good. Um, however, the kicker is surprisingly – actually, this isn't that surprising because NFL teams don't carry backup kickers. So think about it. You're really getting the 35th through the 40th best kickers in the world versus – on. In terms of the quarterbacks, you're getting like the 90th best quarterback. So that's why the kicking is good. However, the, the, the overall product is not good, but the rules are phenomenal. I love the rules. The NFL, if they're paying attention, will adopt some of these. The kickoff rule is great. 92% of the kickoffs get returned. The penalties for kicking it or punting it in the end zone are egregious, which is good because you want to see action. So you can't just punt the ball into the end zone or out of bounds. And the 25-second play clock keeps more uh, keeps the action continuously going. And the end game and the end of the first half and, and the game, uh, it's much harder for a team to run the clock out. So all these rules are really, really good for the viewer and for exciting football. Despite this, XFL scoring is down, Ross, way down from the NFL. I think it's right around 38 points per game. And the league's going to have to figure out a way to increase that scoring if they want to succeed, in my opinion. Before we get into some of the rule changes, Evan, I also wanted to get your kind of overarching thoughts on it. Well, I think that everything just kind of needs to be adjusted for expectations. Like when I'm telling my buddy that I, that I really like a movie, I try to not say that I really, 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 really like it. I'll just say, like, go see it, you know, because I don't want to raise their expectations and then they go into it with these really high expectations. I mean, that's the worst. Like, people do that to me all the time. And then I go see a movie and it's, you know, it doesn't live up to the expectations to, to what they built it up to. So I go into the XFL. Like, I like to have it on in the background while I'm working. And so, you know, I, I don't think it's like a great, great product. But, I mean... It is something entertaining, especially when you have, you know, some money riding on it, whether it be on DraftKings or FanDuel or sports betting. You know, I think it's appealing from that standpoint. Um, And I think it's not terrible to go, like, watch at a bar. Although one time I went with some buddies to go watch uh, XFL at the bar. They didn't have it on at the bar. We had to request to have it on. We got, like, really weird looks. Like, what? You want to watch XFL? Here, you know, people are watching college basketball. The normal people are watching college basketball. We're trying to watch XFL. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, it's, it's not that great of a, of a product, I don't think. And, and it comes down to the quarterbacks. You definitely, you know, it's a better product when Houston with P.J. Walker is on or Jordan Te'amu with um, St. Louis is on uh, than, than some of the other teams like this. 
uh, Dallas right now is going to be in a really bad spot after losing Landry Jones and having to go to Philip Nelson. Uh, that's going to get real ugly for them. Yeah, a couple thoughts I have. Um, you know, from the play, from the player's perspective, I love it. I love that these guys have an opportunity. I love that they have a chance, uh, for a lot of them, a second chance to maybe show what they can do. We saw a bunch of guys end up getting signed a year ago from the AAF to the NFL. A bunch of those guys ended up making practice squads, rosters. Heck, I watched Greg Ward help the the Eagles win the NFC East, making play after play down the stretch. He was playing the AAF a year ago at this time. So I love that the guys have the opportunity. Um, Two thoughts. One is, ironically, they're paying the quarterbacks a lot of money. Like, comparatively, I know a couple of the quarterbacks, they're not allowed to talk about it publicly because it's like 5 to 10x what every other player is making because they felt like a takeaway from the AAF was that the quarterback play wasn't good enough. So they're paying up to have guys with double-digit NFL starts, you know, the McGloins and Josh Johnson and Landry Jones and these guys that, you know, have been on multiple NFL teams, multiple NFL starts. Teams tried to sign Josh Johnson and Landry Jones last year during the season. And yet the quarterback play still isn't very good. I mean, Cardell Jones has been on rosters for a while. The other thing is, after going from August 1st, when the Eagles preseason started, through the Super Bowl of being away from my family every weekend, I, I just can't, I can't allocate time for the XFL on the weekends. You know, if, if we get back from skiing or doing something, and before we're going out to dinner, I'm flipping through the channels, I'll put it on instead of college hoops or whatever, probably, but I'm only watching like bits and pieces of it, I would highly recommend them putting at least one, arguably two games in primetime on Thursday night or Monday night because after I put my daughters to bed, I would absolutely watch that on a Thursday night or a Monday night instead of the NBA or college hoops. But Saturday and Sunday, like, I'm doing stuff. So, anyway, those are kind of my thoughts. What about, Steve, the rules themselves? What do you like? What do you not like? And especially since you're the math guy, what are they doing wrong? Well, I I mentioned I love all the rules. And one rule change that I did not address, which is great, is no kicking after you score a touchdown – What I don't like about the rule, and this kind of shows for years, Ross, I've talked about how it's a myth. This whole analytics has taken over football because I consider football to just finally be be moving out of the dark ages. And obviously the Eagles and, and New England have helped other teams, but they're so backwards in terms of their ability to solve not complex questions, but really simplistic questions. Example, In the XFL, obviously after touchdown, you can go for one point from the two, two points from the five, or three points from the ten. So any kind of um, estimation that's reasonable in terms of your success rates is going to land you on, oh, I should go for two points from the five. It's not even close. And yet a lot of these teams couldn't figure that out. 
at it, and some teams still haven't figured it out. So I would have liked that they get the um, they should make the two point attempt be from the six yard line, not the five yard line, because from the five it's just a slam dunk. Everyone will be going for two um, by week seven or they have no idea what they're doing. But I love the concept of go for one, two, or three. Obviously, everything I'm saying, if it's the fourth quarter, that can change things because depending upon how much you're ahead or behind by, then you'd have to look at a chart. But that is such an exciting play compared to the extra point. I'll go. I'll make an extreme statement that the NFL is going to adopt either that rule or the kickoff rule. The player safety is so huge, and I wanted to ask you, Ross, I, I went ahead and heard that injuries are three times more likely to occur on a kickoff than any other play. And the fact that the teams are lining up, shaking hands essentially five yards apart from each other on the 30 and the 35, and the kicker stands 50 yards behind them and kicks it down to the 10 yard line. This enables the kickoffs to still be in play. So you're still having a kickoff, but the players don't get hurt. I think it just makes so much sense. Ross, your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think they probably will adopt it. Um, I just think the issue is anything that they look at as gimmicky, they get nervous about. You know, they're the shield. They're the NFL. And so I I forget, what is the onside kick solution for the XFL? Is it like the Pro Bowl, like the 4th and 15 from the 25? Or do they just do a regular onside kick? I believe there's two options that – you can go ahead and do a four. Yeah, you have a fourth and 15. And I believe you can also attempt a traditional onside kick if you wish as well. Obviously, that would come into play after a personal foul penalty when you're kicking off from the 50. But you have to disclose saying, hey, we're going to go for the onside kick here. So there are no surprise onside kicks. What about, Evan, your thoughts on the rules? Unlike everybody else, I really, really, really like what they've done with the kickoff return. Um, it's like brought back the kickoff return as an exciting play in the game. And I mean, it's like even more exciting than a regular play. I mean, they, they've saved the kickoff return. Um, and I really hope that the NFL adopts that in terms of the play calling, you know, it it obviously differs from team to team. Like Houston is so aggressive. Like they they go for three pointers uh, as their, as their extra points uh, quite often. And then, there are some teams that just run the ball on early downs way too much. That's been an issue that, you know, Warren Sharp has harped on in the NFL. But it's, you know, with a lot of older coaches in the XFL, um, that has been an issue. And, like, the rushing efficiency in the XFL has been bad. I mean, there are only a couple of teams that have really run the ball successfully. And then you got these coaches calling a bunch of runs on early downs you know, so that that kind of takes away from the product. At the same time, you know, they have bad quarterbacks. So it's, it's you know, you can kind of understand why they're doing that. Um, but, I mean, I, th- I think it, it differs from team to team in terms of, you know, their philosophies and, and the way that they go about things for sure. And June Jones of Houston certainly has, has stood out as one of the most uh, aggressive um, guys, I think that Mark Tressman has been a big disappointment. He actually relinquished play calling duties uh, two weeks ago, and all of a sudden, Tampa Bay started scoring. They scored 12 points combined in their first two games, and then over their last two, they've got like 54 or something. And all of a sudden, their offense came alive. Actually, by running the ball, they might have the best running 
running game in the entire league at this point. Uh, but I mean, he, he, I think Mark Tressman has been a disappointment. There was one play that stood out from this past week where they were deep inside their opponent's territory um, and they opted for a field goal on fourth and three, you know, like a 30 yard field goal and they missed it. And that was just kind of like, you know, I, I kind of thought that was, that was like, that was karma for them for just, just a, a terrible, terrible decision there. I mean, they, they obviously should have gone for it. Uh, let's get into betting on the XFL. And before we get into the specific games this week, Steve, um, what have you done so far betting wise? Have, ha- have you been placing bets or did you want to watch for a few weeks before you decided whether or not there was an opportunity? I have been actively betting in the XFL, and I want to put a caveat because I haven't won betting basketball here the last six weeks. I've been very choppy in basketball, so I never want to make it sound like it's easy to win betting. But the XFL, I can tell you, everyone I know has been winning betting the XFL, and this makes sense because the XFL limits are low. The XFL limits are like a dime on size, $1,000. Nickel on totals, 500 And so you're not competing against um, big syndicates who are betting the NFL and other sports because the limits are too low for the syndicates to even bother with the XFL. So the lines are softer. So I can tell you myself, I'm 6-0-1 year-to-date in the XFL. So I found their lines to be very soft, including, you know, the totals in this league opened up. They didn't open up, but they closed week one at 50. The average total was 50 despite the fact that pretty much everyone who's ever uh, followed football knows that offenses tend to be behind defenses, even when there's continuity from the year before. So it was logical with bad quarterbacks and no continuity on offense that scoring would struggle early on, and it did. So I was playing several unders. Now those totals have tumbled down, and 75% of the games have gone under so far year-to-date. So I think conspiracy theorists in me – it's time to start looking over. Um, and I think part of the reason, Ross, it would not surprise me if the refs don't get a memo from the league saying, hey, you know, we, uh, we don't want you to emphasize offensive holding anymore, things like that. And I also saw in the Houston-Dallas game last week, there was a situation where there was a Dallas fumble. It was clear it was a fumble about on the four-inch line. And they didn't overturn it. They ruled it a touchdown on the field, and they kept it a touchdown. No review. And I think that the league realizes, hey, if we want to get more viewers, like you mentioned, Ross, you got your daughters, you got your family, you need to watch a product where there's more scoring. And I think they're going to try to do whatever they can to make scoring go up. So I would say the one theme I would have is even though 75% of the games have gone under, from this point forward, I would effectively look to play overs or pass on the totals. Got it. Evan, how about you in general XFL betting so far? I haven't been betting on games, but I've been playing a lot of DraftKings, and um, I certainly have takes on the games. Got it. So you've been doing more of the DFS. How's that been going for you? Yeah, I mean, it's been awesome. It's been awesome. There's a big advantage when you put in work – you know, when you put in time to breaking down the games and figuring out uh, which guys are going to get the most playing time, I mean, there, there's just a, a big, you know, all you have to do is be a little bit better than average. And, you know, you're up in that in that top 50 percentile 
and you have a chance to win pretty big money. And and DraftKings and FanDuel have put out big games. I mean, you you can win a lot of money playing XFL DFS. Let's get into the games themselves for this week. Um, And we'll start with Seattle playing Houston. Um, You know, you guys have both been following it closer than I have, but I – I kind of like Seattle. I mean, they're getting 13 points last time I checked. I didn't feel like Philip Walker, P.J. Walker, whatever we're calling them, played as well last week. And they beat the Dallas with Landry Jones. But Landry Jones had three terrible interceptions. He was strip-sacked for a touchdown. And I feel like B.J. Daniels gave Seattle a boost. So I kind of like Seattle getting the 13 from Houston this week. What about you, Steve? I'm going to pass the game. I think Houston is just awesome. I think that Walker is clear-cut so much better than any other quarterback in the league. There was 20-mile-an-hour wins in the Dallas game, and so that made it more difficult for the offenses. I would look over in this game because Houston plays fast and they play so aggressive with their offense and the game last week, like I said, went under just because of the weather and the fact that Dallas turned it over on the two yard line and the game. So if I was going to make a bet on this game, I'd go over. Evan thoughts on this game. Yeah. I, um, I like the over in Seattle side. I mean, it's just so many points. Number one, <clears throat> the total is at, I believe 45 and a half. I think that Houston is just, they're going to score. Um, you know, just week in and week out, I think you can rely on them for, you know, 24-plus points. And I think that Seattle with B.J. Daniels now at quarterback, Brandon Silvers just wasn't very good. B.J. Daniels comes in, he averaged 10 yards per pass attempt last week. He runs seven times for 84 yards. Um, Houston has given up or is tied for the most points allowed in the league. So I think that Seattle with – uh, Keenan Reynolds and um, uh, <clears throat> Austin Prohl at receiver, and now a dual-threat quarterback who gives them some serious playmaking ability uh, under center. Uh, and I, I, I like their backfield in general, Kenneth Farrow, Jaquan Gardner, Trey Williams. They've got some talent in their skill position core, and they just weren't able to unlock it with Brandon Silvers. I think they might be able to get that done with B.J. Daniels. We have to make sure that B.J. Daniels is going to start. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure that that's a lock yet, but he certainly uh, elevated them coming off the bench last week. And um, I think that, you know, I, I think that we can, I think this can be like a, a, a 30 to 24 type of game. Next game that we're looking at, it's New York against Dallas. New York's won two in a row. Feels like they're playing better with Perez at quarterback. They're getting, I think it was seven and a half. Now it might be eight from Dallas. Landry Jones is out for a couple weeks. I, I don't get this line. I'll take the Guardians again, getting the points, Steve. Okay, yeah, the Guardians are two and two, Ross. They won weeks one and weeks four. They got smoked weeks two and three. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, no quarterback play at all for New York. Perez is their quarterback right now. I don't know if it matters much whether it was now injured McGloin or Perez or whoever they put behind their Mitchell. Um, I don't like the Guardians at all. The, they're my lowest rated 
team in the XFL. I like nothing about their offense when I watch. And the reason they beat LA, in my opinion, was it was 35 degrees and there were snow flurries. And LA had played three straight warm weather games and they practiced in warm weather. So I think that's why New York looked impressive week four. And New York was a recipient of a Tampa Bay team that just wasn't ready to go week one. So I refused to bet on the Guardians. The idea being the very clear-cut worst team in the league is not a team that I want to back. But I'm not sure what we're going to get out of Dallas um, with um, Jones hurt at quarterback. So because of that, I'll just lean to Dallas. Evan? Yeah, I don't like siding with you so much here, Ross. But I'm going to side here with you again um i like the the guardians you you have it as an eight point spread right is that what you saw yeah last time i looked at it yes yeah i just think it could be a really really ugly game a really ugly game with philip nelson and i think luis perez on the other side kevin gilbride uh took over play calling duties last week for the guardians and they got their first win um I think that we're going to see the, uh, the the Dallas Renegades rely on their backfield. Cameron Artis Payne and Lance Dunbar, both guys with extensive NFL experience. They've been really good, but I think that, that doesn't necessarily translate to a lot of points. And so I think that this can be like a um, maybe like a 17 to 14 game. And I think the, the Guardians are a good bet to cover. And um, I don't know, the, the total's low enough that I, I would stay away from that. Uh, taking a look, by the way, it, it is showing seven and a half right now on betonline.ag. All of these lines come to us from betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. That is the way to bet, betonline.ag. Use the promo code PODCAST1. You can bet these XFL games. Let's get to the Battle Hawks and the Defenders. The Battle Hawks are now laying three and a half uh when i initially looked at it they were laying two and a half i still probably like the battle hawks they've won two in a row i like jordan Te'amu and what he's done dc has looked heinous the last couple weeks 64 to 9 they've been outscored cardell jones not good getting benched for tyree jackson and st louis's evan silva's hometown <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Steve. Um, actually, I'm going to defer to you on this one, Evan, because okay. St. Louis, maybe let me ask the question. If there's one team I've watched the least, it's St. Louis. And they're a mystery to me because obviously on the scoreboard, this team is dynamite and mm-hmm. their quarterback has played very well. But when I look at the underlying stats on the team, they're a below average team just in terms of yards per play, etc. How is it that St. Louis, with a zero turnover differential, has performed so well on the scoreboard when their stats don't support it? They just have like a really kind of focused formula, and they're very, very run-heavy, which isn't necessarily a recipe for scoring a lot of points um, and, or even having a, a high yards per play. But just the way that they're – I mean, they just have like a good formula. Like they're, they're good on defense. You know, they they have a, a, a solid running game and, you know, they stick to it and they kind of limit Jordan Tiamu's pass attempts. Um, but he's been just crazy efficient kind of in this, you know, th- this. Cor- I don't know. I guess you could kind of compare it to 
don't know, maybe like the Dallas Cowboys, uh, but but not even because they play up tempo. They 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 do run a lot of plays. So I don't know. Maybe there isn't a great NFL comparison for them, but I just you know they're 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 disciplined, and I think they're well coached. They they were the team. I thought they were going to be bad at the start of the season, and they've been they've been rock solid. And um, I was surprised that this spread. Uh, I, I saw it at four. Um, that this spread was this low, considering how bad DC has been over the past two weeks. I mean, they have been an absolute train wreck. You got Cardale Jones playing. Uh, I mean, he's been just absolutely awful. Last week, he was trying to get DeAndre Tompkins, one of their receivers, benched, and they wound up benching Cardale Jones and leaving DeAndre, DeAndre Tompkins in the game. Um, so I think he's starting to lose the team, maybe losing the coaching staff. And Tyree Jackson, although I thought he was kind of an intriguing prospect coming out of Buffalo, he just has not looked – apparently he was terrible in, in Bill's camp last year. And then he just, when he's come in the game, I mean, he's looked, you know, just as bad as Cardale, unfortunately. I mean, Cardale had wide open guys last week, wide open for like deep bombs and was just missing them. And I think that he he must have lost his confidence because, and I mean, I think that the team has lost confidence in him. So I'm going to go with, you know, just how, you know, the, the, the trajectory of the, of these teams. I think that St. Louis goes to D.C., wins pretty handily covers and um dc i don't know man dc has just fallen off a cliff over the last two weeks last game that we will get into it is the vipers and the wildcats the wildcats from tamp from uh, la are laying two points to the vipers this is a tough one i still like L.A., uh, even though they lost last week, I thought Josh Johnson played well. I have faith in him. I mean, they didn't punt once in the second half, but they had interception, turned it over on downs, missed field goal, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, the Vipers finally won their first game. Now, they did run the ball pretty well, but I think it was Davion Smith from Michigan got the first uh, 100-yard game, but I think I'd probably still lay the two points with LA. It's interesting though. Um, already a couple of these lines moved. Like I had LA laying one, I had St. Louis laying two and a half, and those lines have already moved. Yeah, Ross, I think you got the right side on the side. If there's one theme that I would give in this league, and I don't even know um, if you guys know, do these teams, do they fly? Do they have their own charters or do they, um, do they have to fly commercial? I don't know that. I would imagine they fly commercial. I, I don't think that they'd have charters for these guys, but I might be wrong. And the reason I bring this up is I thought there'd only be a two-point home field advantage with smaller crowds. And really the opposite has been true in terms of the home teams have done very well. I don't have the exact statistics. And I think a big part of it is the travel. And with only eight teams, let's face it, unless Houston's playing Dallas or um, you know New York is um, you know staying close to home, most of the time these teams are traveling across the country. And if we've seen one thing is that the extreme travel has really compromised teams and LA had to go to New York last week. They lost as an eight point favorite after flying across the country to cold weather. Well, now it's Tampa Bay that has to fly across the country and 
sneaky 6 p.m. start time. Let me do the math. Yeah, that's 9 o'clock Eastern. So anyone who bets the NFL knows that on these Monday night and Sunday night games when the West Coast team plays the East Coast team, regardless of where it's played, the West Coast team has the big body clock advantage because the game doesn't end until midnight Eastern time. And because of that, I'd already be looking at L.A. I'll, I'll excuse the L.A. loss in the snow at New York because, like I said, they hadn't played in cold weather or practiced all year long. I like Josh Johnson a lot at quarterback, one of the good quarterbacks in the NFL. So absolutely, I'd land on L.A. Tampa's been playing better on offense, and with both teams you know, having an offense, 40, 40 and a half, that's a low, low total. I would look over as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm with you on both accounts, I think. Uh, one advantage that the Vipers have in this game is that the Wildcats have been getting shredded in run defense. And since Mark Tressman gave over play calling duties to Jamie Elizondo, Elizondo um, a, a guy that he brought over from the CFL, the, and Mark Tressman has just always been known for being super, super pass-heavy you know, in the NFL. Even in Montreal, um, he was known as being even pass-heavy. And that's a pass-heavy league, but he was even pass-heavy, heavier than you know, average in the, uh, in the CFL. Um, so, but what they've done is they've transitioned to this, uh, this rush, run-based offense with Davion Smith and um, uh, Jacquez Patrick. And, I mean, these guys were – they they looked they were phenomenal uh, last week and in, in the the Vipers uh, won in, in a shutout and um, this uh, L A Wildcats defense has been just getting creamed by the run five point six yards per carry allowed just two opposing running backs over the last three weeks so that is one advantage that Tampa Bay has that makes me a little bit worried about taking L A but I think ultimately I'm going to go with LA going with you guys. I see see I remember last year in the a, in the AAF, we kind of all thought at the beginning that the Arizona Hotshots were the best team through like 3 or 4 weeks. And then we kind of started to realize that or, the Orlando pa- Apollos were actually the best team. And I think that right now the Houston Roughnecks are kind of like the Arizona Hotshots and if there is a sleeper team especially after uh, Dallas lost Landry Jones, if there is a sleeper team to kind of um, wake up and challenge for that number one overall spot, I think the Wildcats might be able to do that because I think that Josh Johnson might actually be the best quarterback in the league, not P.J. Walker. I realize that, hey, if we were going to name an MVP right now, P.J. Walker would be the guy. But, I mean, we still got, what, uh, six weeks left to play. So, and I think that Josh Johnson, he's leading the league in um, yards per pass attempt. Uh, and we have, we have not seen him get unlocked with his legs yet. He hasn't been running um, because he had a hamstring injury early on. And that's something that, you know, he, ha- he certainly has in, in his back pocket when, he, when his legs get fully healthy. So uh, I think the Wildcats are an interesting team. Like if you were going to make a future bet for a team to win it all, I think that the Wildcats would be really, really interesting. I know that because everybody right now is on Houston. So before we get to, I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on some of the combine rumors. And Evan has the best list of free agents every year. Uh, this year, obviously, it's at EstablishTheRun.com, his new venture. Before we get to that, though, and dive into just, you know, 
how much season win totals are going to be affected by this quarterback market. I know, Evan, that uh, Steve has something very important he wants to tell you about. Yes, sir, and I want to talk about Tommy John. When it comes to comfort down below, there's underwear and there's Tommy John, the revolutionary clothing brand that's redefined comfort for Americans everywhere, including me. To put it simply, Tommy John doesn't give an F. They give three Fs, fabric, fit, function. Tommy John obsesses over every little detail and stitch by using proprietary fabrics that perform like nothing you've ever worn before. As a result, Tommy John's men's and women's underwear sport a no-wedgie guarantee, comfortable stay-put waistbands, and a range of fabrics that are luxuriously soft, feather-light, moisture-wicking, breathable, and designed to move with you, not against you. That means there's no bunching, no riding up. Tommy John is so confident in their underwear that if you don't love your first pair, you can get a full refund with their best pair you'll ever wear, or it's free, guarantee. If you prefer to shop in stores, you can find them now in over 1,200 retail locations, including Nordstrom stores nationwide. Tommy John, no adjustment needed. Give three Fs about your underwear and upgrade with Tommy John today. Hurry to TommyJohn.com slash evenmoney. For 20% off your first order, that's TommyJohn.com slash evenmoney, 20% off. Excellent work, Steve, as always. Uh, you know, I can't ever remember a time where there's this many quarterbacks and this much combine news at, you know, this many combine rumors about the quarterbacks. I guess there's only one question I have for you. I would encourage people, by the way, as I said, to check out Evan's free agent rankings for every position. I already have it bookmarked. But in general, Evan, I don't you know, it's probably tough to comment until we actually know where these guys go. Mm-hmm. Is there any value in your mind to people maybe placing season win total bets on some of these teams based on some of the rumors that we've heard now? Or do you just have to wait until after we see how the dust actually settles? You know, I compare it kind of to, um, as we would talk about a lot on the Fantasy Feast uh, fantasy podcast, when you were drafting a best ball team um, before uh, the NFL draft and, you know, you could get a rookie running back, say, Miles Sanders, no one knows where he's going to go. Um, you know, he didn't have like a big track record or big resume Coming out of college, he played behind Saquon Barkley and really only had one big year. And, you know, some people liked him. Some people didn't. And you, you could get him in, like, you know, the, the 13th round of, you know, a 20-round best ball draft. And then all of a sudden he goes to the Eagles and he's a six-round pick. So you gain seven rounds of equity. And, I mean, he wasn't great for the first, what, five or six weeks, but he wasn't terrible. And then he exploded at the end. And he was like a league winner. Um, you know, for, for, for your best ball team. And so he wound up being an amazing value in the 13th round. And I think you can equate that to the season win totals. Hey, if, you know, one of these teams that, you know, is, is looking, you know, not particularly good, maybe, you know, you see the, the Colts at, I don't know, I haven't looked at season win totals, but I would guess that they're like around seven, maybe um, seven or eight. And then all of a sudden, you know, they get Philip Rivers, and I mean, I think that they're probably a ten-win team. 
with Philip Rivers, you know? So if you can get them right now at like seven or seven and a half, I mean, they have, they have a great offensive line. All those guys are coming back. It looks like Costanzo's coming back at left tackle. They've got a good, uh, a really good running game. Um, T.Y. Hilton will be back healthy. Paris Campbell will be healthy. Um, they've got freaking $90 million in cap space. You know, they've got some talent on defense. Um, I mean, I think that they're, you know, if they were to get Phillip Rivers, then you could get like two wins worth of equity potentially by putting that bet in now. Steve, what do you think? Wow, well, I am on an island here. So it sounds like, Evan, you and I can have a little bet. I'm going to propose this for you. I'm willing to take Jacoby Brissett to have a higher QBR than Phillip Rivers this year. I have Rivers, my 24th-rated quarterback. I thought he was terrible with a loaded Chargers team. I know they had injuries last year, and the eye test said after September, no fastball whatsoever, poor decision-making, especially at the end of the game, and he's another year older. I think Phil, I, I agree with you that Indy is a – undervalued team but philip rivers i predict will be a disaster for whoever gets him <laughs> all right fair enough well i mean let me all right so he in indy he'd be playing indoors he'd have a much better offensive line than he did uh with the chargers and i i'm with you man i mean there were some really bad moments for philip rivers i thought you know there were indications that he he could be washed you know just it, it might be over for him at times especially i mean he played out of control a lot, but I think that he was put in a lot of out of control, you know, situations where he kind of felt compelled to play out of control. And I think that Frank Reich is really good at not letting things get out of control, um, as he did with uh, J- Jacoby Brissett last year. And I don't know, you know, or, or or the Colts could get Tom Brady. I mean, you know, I I don't know. I mean, I, that's been something that's been uh, discussed. So. I don't know. You know, I don't. I don't want to tr- turn this into a Philip Rivers debate, but you know, that that's just kind of the point that I was that I was making is that you know, look for uh, opportunities to get equity in terms of um, uh, in terms of win totals. Fair enough. Very and I do think I like the idea of hey, worst yeah. case, Indy winds up going with Brissett, and you get you know their Ross. I forgot what Indy's season win number was. Was it um, seven and a half? Yeah, I think it's seven and a half. I can pull it up again, but I think it's seven and a half. Yeah, and I I, I like the concept of the perception is that nothing is going to happen that's going to cause that season win number to do anything but go up because you could argue Indy should have won more than seven games last year, and they only won seven. So already you have value, and now you're probably going to get some more value. While I have you, Evan, I'm going to make a bold statement here about all the fantasy players out there. If you're winning your fantasy leagues or doing well, making money, or you know, betting in the daily fantasy and the like, if you bet these individual players, um, I get just uh, straight up yards, uh, rush, pass yards, etc. I would find it very difficult to believe that you won't be able to beat that, because in my opinion. It's like chess versus checkers. Beating the other players in fantasy football is very difficult because these players, so many of them are so into it, and especially when you're playing against uh, you know, guys that have hundreds of entries in these various um, contests each week. These guys are really, really good. But the sports books, the numbers they put up on these, these individual players are often not just wrong, but just very, very wrong. 
and you can lock in the bad numbers early in the week. So I would encourage all those players that have always been fantasy-only players to look to make straight bets on these um, fantasy projections of quarterback yardage, um, rushing yardage for the running backs, et cetera, and I think you will do very well. Couldn't agree more. Excellent stuff, fellas. That'll do it for this week's Even Money podcast. Little combine rumors as well as a lot on the XFL. We hadn't really done much XFL. We wanted to get to the NFL season win total stuff right away. But now you got our thoughts on this week's XFL. Let me know on social media, at Ross Tucker NFL or at RTF Podcast. Let me know if you want more XFL content because we can absolutely do it if you guys are into it. Love it. 45 awesome minutes with Evan Silva and Steve Fezzik here on the Even Money Podcast. By the way, absolutely go ahead and check out today's Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Andrew Brandt and I discussed the CBA as well as his combine experience. I think you'll really enjoy it. Tomorrow we'll have Greg Cosell on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast talking about the top running backs as well as diving into the Fantasy Feast Podcast. Some of the combine rumors there from Joe Dolan and Scott Barrett on the Fantasy Feast Podcast. So we've got a great week for you here. Other than that, Good luck, everybody. Hope you guys win some money. Thanks for listening to the Even Money Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, the Fantasy Feast, Business of Sports, and the College Draft, all available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.